I am Yum Chunks. We are Yum Chunks. That was my Groot impression. Sean, you asked you asked for uh, several seconds to come up with how you're going to introduce this, and uh, that's what you. No, that was with. those were the few seconds. I've, that, we haven't started yet. Oh, okay. All right, uh, come up with something else then. Okay. It's time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Because we're the freaking... Okay, never mind, never mind. Let's just Guardians think. of the <laughs> Yum Chunks. <laughs> it's not going to get better. They're just going to get worse the more opportunities you give me, so... All right. Uh, welcome, listeners. <laughs> this is After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast. And this is episode 118... We are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's better late than never, um, but we're all here. I am your host, Sean, and with me, we're all back together. We've gathered our team. We're about to go fight the space bad guy, because I got Ryan here with us. Uh, I am here. Um, I will join you in the fighting of the bad guys. Sweet, and we couldn't do this without Chewie. And I won't. You're going to have to. <laughs> Dang it. Well, um, we're doomed to fail, but that's all right. That hasn't stopped us before, but we're all here. It's been a long time. It hasn't been that long, but we've had breaks that have gone longer <laughs> in our past. Um, but it has been six weeks since our last episode. May was a busy month for all the uh yum chunks i was on vacation for a couple weeks i know ryan was out of town for a couple weeks chewy you had multiple projects that were taking up your time in i was uh i was trying to get to the end of through the end of the school year oh that's right and you you arrived which i just did because i just came from graduation (laughs) you still have your cap and gown on as you're recording no i actually could have been wearing one yeah one of this it's one of the uh the you you required to to work graduation and um, and and they assign you some type of duty to do at the thing unless you volunteer to be a row sitter and then if you if you are then you get to wear a cap and gown. I've never done that though. Maybe next year. Yeah. Oh, to... row sitter like what? Keep the kids in line or something? Or yeah, they have uh they have teachers who sit at the ends of the rows and they also um march the kids on and off the field um for the cer- it's like a ceremonial thing. So is it like so? It's like air marshals in civilian clothing on, you know, consume uh, commuter jets. So, sort stuff. of, except for their, you know, their, their robes are a different color. So, um, oh. so it, it's not really incognito. But um, uh-huh. maybe next this time next year when we're talking about whatever comes out this time next year, uh, I'll be able to tell you that I just came. That I just changed out of my cap and gown, but not this year. I was on. Well. I was on balloon uh, police duty. <laughs> Oh, in case people threw balloons, you had to tra- hunt it down, pop it. No. Oh. I had to tell people at the gate, you're not allowed to bring in your balloons. <laughs> this is the second year in a row I've had to do that. I have to. Wow. I have to fi- I have like to, all their graduation balloons. I have to take their balloons and go tie it up to a a, a balloon jail post. Oh, you should have just had a tack and popped it right there in front of their yeah. face. 
<laughs> stared at them, just lock eyes with them, and look at them the whole time you're doing it as balloons are popping. Well, the logic being that the balloons, because it's outside, they they blow around and they knock into things, and then they, if you're sitting behind a balloon, then you can't see. So uh, we don't allow balloons. Oh. Yes. Well, I guess for the best. Well, congratulations, class of 2023. You don't get any balloons. <laughs> no balloons for you. It's a what a crop. Got a crop. This class of 2023. I don't know what that um, means. <laughs> that's for the best. Uh, anyway, uh, well, let's let's get into some of what we've been up to in terms of the media we've consumed yum, over yum. the last couple of weeks. Yum, yum, yum. Um, we've had plenty of opportunity and lots of stuff has happened. In <laughs> fact, so much stuff that I don't even think we're all going to get through all of it this episode. So we're going to have to store some chunks for future usage store some chunks for the winter or the summer in this case i guess um but uh yeah let's let's start sharing uh chewy why don't you start okay today i'm going to talk about some of the tv i've been indulging in particularly of the prank variety i I feel like we're in a bit of a uh uh i don't know a renaissance of 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 prank media um given uh, some of the stuff we've had recently. But uh, there's two TV shows I watched recently. One of them was uh, The Prank Panel. Um, It's a uh, reality-slash-prank-slash-game show. Um, And it has Eric Andre, uh, Gabri Sidibe, and uh, Johnny Knoxville as a panel of, of prank experts... And people, contestants, they come in and they pitch pranks to them. Like, if you guys have seen, um, you guys have seen the Borat movies, and you guys have seen, um, the, uh, what is it, Bad Trip? Have you guys seen the movie Bad Trip? Yeah, I think is I that, talked about it on the podcast. With Eric yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this show has a lot of the same behind the scenes people working on it. Um, hmm. so the idea is, yeah, you, you, these, the contestants pitch their pranks. And if they like it, they go, okay, we're going to execute this prank. And um, and so then the show turns into, a, all right, here's how we're going to set this up to prank this person. And we're setting up this, like the first episode is like, we're setting up this fake wedding and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And then you see it all play out. So um, they, they aired it the pilot and it's, you can watch it on, um, I don't know, one of the streaming things. Uh, but the, the show doesn't start for real until july i don't know why the just the pilots available but um yeah i found it to be fun uh, if you like that kind of stuff uh the other show that i watched the jury um this is kind of and i can't remember are you guys into nathan fielder's stuff yeah. uh i've watched a fair amount of his you know the show on Comedy central and i have seen all of the rehearsal okay i think we even maybe brought it up i can i cannot uh, ryan have you seen the rehearsal yeah i didn't finish it yet but yeah. Oh, it <laughs> that show gets bonkers. Um, well, just you're describing, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Is, so I've heard of the jury, but I have not seen it. So. so yeah, this is a this is an Amazon original, um, and uh, uh, so the, the the premise here is that it's a mock, it's a trial, and the way that the show is filmed and set up, it, it's like The Office, like a workplace mockumentary. Um, but one of the jury members is being pranked because they don't know that the whole thing is a TV show. Like they know, they think it's a 
documentary that they're filming mm. or like a reality show or whatever it is but he thinks that the court case is real and that everybody involved is actually real when everything is scripted and but it's not entirely scripted because like they don't know how he's going to behave so yeah. it, it it has big uh rehearsal vibes so if you enjoyed the rehearsal um it's a little bit more of a straightforward version of the rehearsal Whereas if, if you've seen the rehearsal, you know that Nathan Fielder being the crazy person that he is, like, it just goes into, like, seven or eight different levels of meta. Um, yeah. You know, th- this one pretty much stays on the same one plane of meta. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's pretty straightforward. Here's the premise, day to day for the jur- this trial, and, you know, them trying to play out as if it's real. So, um, it's, it's a little, conceptually, I think it's a little rough around the edges. Um, it's a little weird because like it has talking head interviews like it is the office from the fake characters but like we know are they playing are they in character or yeah. are they talking no, as they're, they're as no, acting they're, as actors they're in character talking oh, to the true. camera and we're seeing this so I'm like I'm not sure if they're if we're meant to feel like it's switching back and forth between a piece of fiction and a piece of because we know that it's all like yeah, yeah it's yeah. very totally it's weird <laughs> but huh. so some of it doesn't work for me but the parts that work, I think, are really are are worth the rest of it. Um, and it's also not very long. I think it's like six or eight episodes. So um, I recommend cool. both of those. Um, Jury is a bit of a softer recommend. But um, like I said, if you're into that kind of stuff, you might want to check those things out. There, there was a show in the aughts, a reality show during the reality show craze of the early aughts. That reminds me of that, that I watched, I think, what was it called? Like Average Joe or something like that. Which is... Sounds very much like the same premise where it was a reality show competition, but it was like a standard, like, Big Brother style. Everyone's living in a house and they all get voted on. I don't know, whatever. And one guy just so keeps going up the zipline all day into the pool. He does nothing <laughs> yes. else but go off to the zipline and ravishly eat a salad. <laughs> um, oh, okay. your face looks like a clock. Uh, no, the... the um, the premise was that, well, yeah, it was the same premise. It was that they were all actors except for one guy. And I, I, I did watch the whole thing, but it was 20 years ago now, so I don't remember the details. But I remember, like, the, all the other characters were very played into the cliche stereotypes of, like, there's the good girl and the bad girl and the jock and the, you know, the, I don't know, bad boy. I don't know. Everyone's either good or bad. Uh, but, um,. But then there's just a schlub guy who's kind of in the middle of it all. But the Talking Heads part, they were actors. Like, they were was like, oh, when we did this, I thought Billy was going to freak out. But he actually was into it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it was... So, I, I, it was a very, I guess, successful because I think they only had one season in it at the time. But in any case, it just reminds me of what this jury sounds like. Except this has more of, a, like, a focus, I guess. Because they're... A, a jury, well, not just yeah. people. The the fact that it's a trial and you know there's yeah. there's different days of the case and then there's deliberation and all the stages yep. of it, it it gives it a natural structure for mm. the for the show. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm I'm on the wiki page for this TV show, Average Joe, that you're talking about, and yeah, yeah. it it's conceptually similar. I haven't watched this, but um, yeah, whatever. Don't <laughs> I would not don't go seeking it out. It's not worth watching. But um, it just reminded me. Yeah, so, uh, but that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check out the drink. Uh, all right. Well, um, that's what I bring to the table to the fire for this week. Um, I'll pass the chunk and stick on to Ryan. Ryan, tell us, tell us of things. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, I have a couple games I want to share my thoughts on. Um, first is uh, the Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. I completed that game. Um, Sean, you gave it to me for Christmas, and it mm. took me half a year to beat it. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, I think I was playing it kind of off and on that whole time. Usually, like I'll kind of focus on a game, but for whatever reason, it didn't um, hook me initially, and so... And it really, it didn't. T- it, it took almost the entire game before I was convinced that it was that I liked it. Um, I, yeah. So it it kind of had like this ramp up at the, at the end where um, I th- all the things kind of were coming together more. So I still like the original more, um, but there is a lot of fun challenges at the end. Kind of very just all the end game stuff. Where it's like, oh, okay. Well, this should have been the whole game. Like they should have been spreading this out more. And had more, even further ramp up stuff at the end, um, and like you know, kind of like bonus challenges that they they throw in it on games like this. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I like it a lot, uh, but yeah, hundred percent of everything there. Um, and the other game is oh, also a Christmas gift from you. Uh, I just realized, um, oh, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> is the last clock Clockwinder, which is a VR game. Um, and I had not played VR for quite some time, uh, but I kind of cleaned up my office space enough where I could could actually get enough room and play. Um, and yeah, so it's the the game. To give a brief description, is your the last Clockwinder? No, well, you <laughs> I don't even like the, the, it's pretty light on on story. But basically, what you're doing is you have to there's a series of rooms, and in each room you have to complete um, a task. Um, and the the task requires a lot of coordination between a lot of different entities, we'll say. But you are only one person, so the way you're gonna do this is by recording yourself performing one or two or three, but very small atomic tasks. And you're going to create a clone of yourself, which is a recording of yourself doing that task. And then you're going to interact with that clone of yourself that is repeating this infinite loop that you've made a recording of. And then you're going to make another recording and another. And so by the end of it, you have dozens potentially of clones of yourself interacting with each other to perform some task Hmm. and by the time you're done with it you're you're like you're just like so pumped and like your head is like spinning with um just the logic behind everything that's happening and there that sounds like kind of it is a puzzle game as you may have inferred um and so that kind of sounds like it's going to hurt your brain and it does in the way that a puzzle game should but there's all these extra little things that come out of the game that aren't by design but also is because the recording of the movements is so literal that you'll kind of be watching your clones to make sure that they're doing what they ought to be doing but you're watching yourself (laughs) meaning (laughs) you're i'm watching myself scratch myself because as i was performing the activity i had an itch and i had to like scratch my chest or my back or my butt or whatever and i'm watching this clone of myself do this thing and so there's all these little moments like that that the game captures that aren't exactly by design it's just 
that's how the game needs to be to be the game that it is. Hmm. And so there's all these extra little things that kind of come out that are so charming and wonderful. And one of the last things of the game um, is kind of like this little fun victory room. And you don't have to do this, but I just recorded like two dozen of myself dancing. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's just so awesome when like you re because you you can kind of jump in back forth between the rooms. So when I re-enter that room, it's just like, oh, that's right. I have two dozen of myself (laughs) dancing right now. Okay, cool. Um, So anyway, it's just, it's, it, um, yeah, it's a really, really good game. Really, really fun. Yeah, when I heard about that game last year, it sounded so, like, intriguing, and the premise was so, like, unique and and singular that I was like, oh, I gotta get this for Ryan, and hopefully it's as cool as it sounds, so fun to hear that you kind of played through it. I'd love to check it out, and I wonder, is it on Quest, or do you have to have the heart, like, a... Um, it set. does it's not that intensive just in terms of yeah. scope it is actually the scope of the game is pretty small yeah so I, I would be surprised if this couldn't run on the quest yeah maybe i mean i might worth i'll check it out at your place and if it's maybe check it out myself but yeah for sure but that's cool that's yeah fun. yeah uh, i mean boiled down it is basically a study in industrial engineering is uh which i have some experience in so i was kind of like oh i'm just gonna throw all my knowledge of industrial engineering at this and and honestly the game they i hope people like make their own levels in like the steam lab or if that's a a thing because matt this is very much like portal 2 Mm. like where you can the possibilities are endless like you could just make these crazy contraptions and these rooms these puzzle anyway um because, yeah, the game honestly ended too soon. I was like, oh, I, I need, like, five times more of this. Uh, anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the Steam page right now. It looks right up my alley, yeah. You remember, I, you and I were both pretty into the uh, level editor on Portal 2 back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I played hundreds of those user levels on the workshop. Um, and, yeah, that I, I, I would love to check this out and see. I love the style of it that I'm looking at. It looks, yeah, pretty goofy and... Yeah. yeah, it's just goofy enough, I think, is like right where it needs to be. Well, yeah, especially if it does. I would imagine most VR now does play straight on the Quest or Quest Two, and you still have you still have the VR that you guys got. We got it again, right, Chewy? Yeah. So you have one. Now? I've barely been using right. it, but now that I'm yeah. on summer, I, I'm gonna probably prioritize getting oh, yeah. Alex beat. Then... Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, prioritize Alex for sure. But if and, and, this game, I remember looking at. I don't think it was terribly expensive get it on sale or something but yeah definitely worth your time oh it's on sale right now for 16 dollars. well yeah, i would say it's worth it I would all right say it's worth yeah for sure um Doug, yeah there's uh, well, well freaking sweet next time sweet. i see you awesome. we'll <laughs> talk about it and yeah yeah you get to compare your little dances yeah. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you do all the balloon shop dances because that's the first thing i'm gonna do <laughs> well yeah I, like i said i did like two dozen of myself so each one is doing a different dance i think i got them all in there all right okay good all right all right well, anyway yeah, those, are, those are my nice <clears throat> uh those are my chunks pass it on to you sean uh cool uh all right well we got some tv got some video games i'll uh close it off with a couple movies that i've seen over the last couple weeks um real briefly i like i mentioned i was on i on vacation so on the flights i caught a couple films um i was finally able to catch weird uh and i was very happy i did 
It was a delight. It was very fun. It was more like walk hard than I was expecting it to be. And I love walk hard. So that's a good thing. Um, it's, you know, not as, I guess, R rated R as walk hard is, but it's very similar style of humor and just send up of the music biopic. Um, and it's really funny. It's delightful. It's great. A lot of really fun scenes and sequences and just ridiculousness. Oh, glad you liked it. Yeah. That, yeah. that was one of my favorites from last year. Yeah, it was really good. Daniel Radcliffe's good, but all the, everyone, like, all, and just, like, the scene where at the pool party, and it's just, like, all the, like, weirdo people. Oh, yeah, that's like, the best scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, like, who is, like, is Jack Black, Jack Black plays, who does he play? Um, who is he? Ah, it's Jack Black, right? Yeah, he comes in on him and challenges him. Oh, he plays Wolfman Jack, that's it. And, and then Conan O'Brien's in there. I don't know. They're just like it's just a hilarious scene. Anyways, um, so that was great. Uh, another movie that I saw on on a flight, which is called Moon Man, and this is a movie that came out last year and was recommended by a friend, actually a friend of the show, Sam, um, had recommended it. But I had not seen it, and when you're trapped on a flight, that's a great opportunity to watch films you maybe wouldn't otherwise. And I'm very glad I did, because Moon Man was awesome. I definitely recommend anyone go seek this out. I don't even know where it's streaming. Just book a flight somewhere <laughs> and watch a movie, and that's how you can see this movie. Um, it's a Chinese film, and it is about a man who, you know, it's in the near future where there's astronauts on a moon base, and he's an astronaut on a moon base. And I kind of don't want to say too much more, because it's more fun if you don't, but... It's also, it has a sensibility uh, similar to hmm. everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't want to blow it out of proportion and make people think certain things about it, but just a certain sentimentality to it, similar to that. Um, but it's great. It's re- really, really fun, funny, emotional. I don't know, just go watch it. Moon Man. And so those are my movie flight watches. Those are my vacation in an airplane watches. Um, so I, I just, uh, Googled moon man and the movie's not the top result. Uh, uh, a link from the anti-defamation league website. Moon man is a meme derived from a character in 1980s McDonald's restaurant commercials that was appropriated by white supremacists, especially from the alt-right. Oh, oh no. So it's a, it's, <laughs> it's not that it's a picture it's of that. Mac tonight <laughs> photoshopped on the cover of the video game doom. Um, there's a there's a whole <laughs> rabbit hole here that I'm gonna just opt out of right now. Yeah, maybe avoid that. Search Moon it's Man Moon, film. Yes, search Moon Man film. It's a uh, again. I think it's either Chinese or Taiwan um, film. It's Chinese. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, and <laughs> there should not be any confusion when you search. Um, if you come across white supremacist stuff, you're on or, the or wrong if you see, track. Or if you see Max tonight, <laughs> yes. go the other way. You're, wrong you're going the, down the wrong corner of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, I don't know where it's... It's got to be streaming somewhere, so hopefully people can find it somewhere to watch. But then recently, uh, in theaters, I watched a couple films. I saw the film Air, the biography or, some, you know, whatever, somewhat true story of how Air Jordans came to be with uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Jason Bateman. And it was really good. Uh, I generally like all those actors and they're all really good in it. It's a peppy, fun script. It has a great soundtrack. 
It's full of nostalgic 80s stuff, Americana. It's uh, quickie, quippy. It feels a little bit like an Aaron Sorkin. Like it when you watch it, you could, you know, I was like for a moment like, oh, did Aaron Sorkin write this? It has that kind of vibe to it. Mm. Um, so all of that is, it's great. I really can't say, it, you know, I can't complain too much. But I also can't really say I like it because it, 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 you know, deals in themes that on this podcast, it's you know, on this very podcast, I have re- repeatedly said how much I, I am not a fan of, and that is this idea of these larger than life god type characters that, and this film just like plays into that that modern American myth of someone who's just better than anyone else and deserves once in a generation once in a lifetime kind of thing and they they deserve and are worthy of just billions of dollars and attention and we need to worship this person and treat them like they're a god like it it very much is that yeah you hate michael jordan we get it it doesn't mean i I can't enjoy space jam okay sean just because you hate space jam all I'm I saying can. is that I'm saying it's a good movie, not Space Jam. <laughs> Air, uh, Air is a good movie by movie standards in terms of like you know structure and the character and so all that stuff. Just it's you know conveying a message that I just uh, it's hard for me to get behind. Um, but it's still very entertaining, so uh, I would recommend it. Mostly, <laughs> I would recommend a movie I don't like. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Um, and then I saw, uh, which I don't know why we haven't done it. We should be doing an episode on this, guys, because I saw Fast X, the movie of a generation. Now this, now this is a movie. <laughs> is it? I mean, I don't know. Actually, it's not. It's barely. It's it's not a full movie. It's half a movie. It ends in the middle of the movie because they're doing that whole oh. split the last part up into two films. Oh. So this movie doesn't even have an like. It's just half a movie. It ends like in the middle of a. <laughs> and Harry a Potter sequence. ruined movies. The proof is yeah. Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think, um, I, think fast, yeah. I don't think this is the first Fast and Furious movie to be indicative of that sentiment. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm not saying that in terms of the quality. I'm just saying at least all the other films have ended. You know what I mean? Like at least they've reached a conclusion. <laughs> at least they ended. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best anyone could say about a Fast and the Furious movie. Well, at least eventually it was over. <laughs> yeah, but not with this one. Yeah, we can't it's even not. claim that here, man. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I've some. I'm, I, I've liked the last half of the, the second half of the fran- the Fast franchise in general. I like the direct shift in fast five or you know and it turned into this like spy superhero globe trotting craziness right when they embrace that i think i liked it i will say the last two this one i think is because it feels the most stale that formula feels like they're just like it it they're not it's not that they're not trying because they're obviously throwing a ton of money at this and production into this thing, but it just doesn't have some of the fun wow factors that some of the sequences in the previous entries have had. Also, I know they're not, these movies are not about plot or anything like that or story, but there's some, like, even that being said, there's sequences in this one that just boggle the mind with like, what? What was supposed to have happened? I'm not talking about the action scenes. I'm talking about the dialogue between two characters and afterward, like, there's a scene where they're just, it's a talking scene. 
and there's these two characters that are kind of always bickering at Ludacris and um, the other guy. Um, if you guys, if audience, you know, listeners know who I'm talking about, yeah. they're always kind of bickering. They're buddy buddies, but they're they're at each other's throats a lot of the time. It kind of comes to a head with them, and they kind of get into an actual fight. And then in the middle of the fight, one of them just pulls dust out of his pocket. Like, it has not been set up. The dust is not anything. The du- It's not later paid off in any way. Like, it's just like... And then he just throws dust in the air. Uh-huh. And, it, and, and this is in the same scene where Han, who is alive again... You know, he came back last movie, but he's yeah. now alive. Um, he eats a muffin laced with, like, LSD or something in it. And so there's there's a brief sequence where he's, like, tripping out. But he's not, like, going, oh, he's not, like, driving. Oh, no, I'm tripping out. It's, like, crazy, hype, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, it's just him standing there. And they do, like, a camera effect for, like, a couple seconds. And that's it. That, like, it, like, what? You had someone eat a hallucinogenic in a crazy action driving movie. And what you do with it is you just have him stand in a room and then it's gone and nothing happens. Like, I don't know. There's, like, things like that in this movie where it's, like, at that Stuff like that wasn't as common in the like Fast Five and Six and Seven. I didn't feel, but maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Anyways, it's it's a film in in the biggest sense of the word and the in the lowest sense of the word. <laughs> it's a film of contradictions. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Fast X. I, everyone knows what those movies are. They're crazy, crazy action films. Oh, uh, what's his name? Jason Momoa is also a highlight. He, he's actually pretty fun in it. Anyways, those are my chunks. We get to the main course now, I think. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's been out for a month, over a month now. Um, but for anyone who still hasn't watched it and cares, spoilers and spoilers for the MCU and the other Guardians movies, blah, 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 blah. You get it. But, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I think you're telling us. Give us the rundown. Let me tell you what happened. All right. um, Well, our Guardians, who, you know, it's the whole team, are all living on Nowhere, which is that big skull thing from the first one and second one, I guess. Um, They're all kind of just living there. They are all settled. Um, You know, Star-Lord is a little sad about Gamora, um, but everyone else is doing their thing kind of okay uh but they're attacked by adam warlock who was kind of the ending of the second one that everyone forgot and he's all gold he's a gold boy um and he he shows up and attacks them because just because and ends up injuring rocket um they fight him off and he flees so this this the story of this movie is now going to be to get rest to basically basically heal rocket because he's severely injured to a degree that they can't actually you know they can't heal him without going on this big adventure um so the rest of the guardians discover they need to go to this place where they have this this kill switch or this kill code that will allow rocket to be saved um, because Rocket was genetically altered and 
whatever to be the way he is. And he's essentially the product of this guy called the High Evolutionary. Um, so they go to his base called the Evo, the Ergo Land. I don't know, something. But it's this big organism. And they get Gomorrah to help him out. And, you know, as she she doesn't, she's from a different universe. So just keep that in mind. But anyway, they, they, uh, they get into this place to get the kill code. They discover that the kill code isn't, it's in another castle, um, and they have to go to, to where the High Evolutionary is, and he's on this place called Counter-Earth, and they, they go there. Meanwhile, Rocket is, of course, on his, on the de- on his deathbed, essentially, and throughout the, the whole movie, we're getting these flashbacks of how he, you know, his backstory. And he, he, he was friends with, he was, a, he was once a small raccoon, and he was a very cute baby raccoon. Um, who made friends with other baby animals. And they're all being experimented on by the Javier Evolutionary to kind of... He's trying to create, like, this perfect life form thing. I don't know. Anyway, he's doing all kinds of experiments, and it's pretty graphic. Anywho, the conclusion of that story is that all the other animals are killed, but he escapes. All right, so that's his backstory. Back on Counter-Earth, the Guardians are kind of talking to the folks that live there who are, like human animals they're like human-sized animals they're basically just humans with animal faces um and they don't speak english so it's all funny it's bojack um, horseman land yeah that's basically yeah, what it is so. yeah um george cluners lives there uh, <laughs> anyway so they go to they kind of split up um star lord and nebula, nebula? Yeah. yeah they go to the the high evolutionary ship to confront him and do the thing. Meanwhile, Drax and Mantis stay back. Um, so yeah, Star Lord. Conf- oh, and Groot. That's right. Confront High Evolutionary, and he kind of reveals his master plan, what he's trying to do. Whatever. Um, they get what they need to get from him and escape. But meanwhile, Drax and Mantis kind of defy um, the plan, and they, they end up in this in the High Evolutionary's ship. So they've kind of switched. So yeah, so now Star Lord, man, or, sorry, Star Lord, Nebula, and Groot are able to get Rocket back to life, essentially. But Drax and Mantis are now trapped on the ship, which is flying away. Um, something happens here that I kind of <laughs> lose track of, but somehow they, the the high evolutionary, oh, he blows up the planet because he didn't like it anymore. Um, they're all flying and they all end up in nowhere, essentially. Um, or vice versa, I forget. Anyway, the, the two, the nowhere and high evolutionary ship con- con- collide or they are together and the high evolutionary ship is getting defeated because of reasons and so this is the climax of the film and they have to get mantis and drax out along with all his the high evolutionaries captured subjects that he been he's been doing experiments experiments on um so there's a lot of action going on blah 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 blah, blah. they rescue all the folks out of the high evolutionary ship onto nowhere um and 
in, through this process. Um, oh, and also there's fights going on in nowhere, fighting off um, the high evolutionaries forces. So we, so there's the other folks like there's the Sean gun character and Cosmo fighting off the, the bad guys. So Cosmo is able to stop the bad guys from using their on reveal effects. That's great. Um, and meanwhile, back on the high evolutionary ship, they get all the bad guys or the good guys out. And at the last minute, star Lord is kind of, he's, gonna make his way back to nowhere where it's safe but the ship's blowing up and he gets stranded in space and then adam warlock comes out of nowhere and saves him and they're all happy that's pretty much the end um um after everyone's done dancing uh peter quill decides to leave this the guardians and now rock is the captain and yeah quill goes back to get back in touch with his earth family um what else happens uh uh mantis also leaves um gamora goes with the ravagers and then yeah nebula and drax are are there they're gonna raise the all the children they rescued and then there's a post-credit scene that doesn't matter too much but yep that's the that's the movie yeah Yay! Yay! It's been and I had to. We all had to remember what happened in this movie. Yeah, it's been a while. I kind of yeah, I kind (laughs) of forgot how that climax came to be, but it doesn't matter. I we got there and it all worked out. (laughs) Yes, hopefully we could remember our opinions of this film. (laughs) Yeah, that's that was actually a challenge. Like, did I like and some of our thoughts uh, regarding it? Um, I could. I'll jump in real quick just to kind of maybe hopefully spark some things. Um, also, because I saw it twice. Uh, so that I was thinking at the time, like, oh, good. This will like have me super fresh. But then when a month goes by, even seeing it twice. <laughs> I'm in the exact has, same you know, boat. <laughs> yeah. My second viewing was a little, probably a little more recent. But even then, I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, it's been longer than I expected. Um, I will say, though, that my first viewing was in Japan Ooh. with Japanese subtitles. And I felt so cool. Uh, why um, what did the japanese no. subtitles say when peter quill was shooting a three-pointer uh from downtown oh they actually did say that okay interesting <laughs> they're, they're familiar with know. that expression <laughs> it did actually make the film like there was a cool element because the japanese script is similar to the aesthetic look of like there's that the language or the characters that like on the guardian sign right so it made everything have a dip that uh, a sci-fi aesthetic to the entire uh. i mean obviously the whole thing is sci-fi that's not a great way of putting it but like it 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 um heightened that us that feel i guess i should say by having the japanese um subtitles the whole time but that doesn't obviously affect the movie. Uh, my opinions that I like this film. I liked it. I love it. I loved it, this movie. It was great. It was awesome. Um, the Guardians has always been one of, if not my favorite, of like a single like franchise uh, within the MCU, if that makes sense. Um, and with the third one coming out now, I'm pretty confident in saying that I think the Guardians franchise is the, my favorite. Like, there's all of them... All of the films in the franchise 
are great. Whereas, like, I love Cap 2, but I don't love Cap 1 as much. Cap 2 and, you know, Cap 3 are good and great. Um, Iron Man 1 and 3 are good, but Iron Man 2, you know what I mean? Where Thor, like, with Guardians of the Galaxy, I think they were all winners. Um, so this was uh, awesome. A lot of great character stuff, a really great conclusion to this franchise. I think it does a really good job of keeping it in line with Guardians 1 and 2 and, you know, not becoming too big. I mean, thoughts are kind of all over the place, but I'll leave it at that for now. I loved it. I thought it was great. Super fun, funny, emotional, touching. Loved it. Great. Chewie, what'd you think? Um, my thoughts are all over the place on this one too, but not quite in the same way. I keep going back and forth on my opinion on this one. Um, cause I, 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 when I think back on the movie and I remember it, there's stuff about it that I just, I love. Like it's some of the best stuff mm-hmm. in any of these Marvel movies. And then I, other things I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Did I, did this movie work for me? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I thought it was a little inconsistent in that regard. Um, I, I, I mean, overall I would, probably agree with your sentiment that of the individual sub-series of the MCU, this is one of the better, if not the best one, the Guardian series, that is. But I, yeah, I think, I think that still being said, I think this might have been the weakest one of the three for me. Um, I think it's, I think it's got really high highs and low lows, and I, and I want to get more into that. But um, overall, overall really liked it um, a lot. Uh, But yeah, I definitely have some some mixed thoughts on it uh ryan what was your take um yeah i really liked it i i'm sad that you guys both saw it twice and i've only seen it once i i I remember after um seeing it the first time i really wanted to see it again because i liked it so much but i just never got around to it so maybe maybe that's an indication it didn't really didn't quite stick in my head as as much as i thought it would but having said that i did i did really like it i would say that I haven't seen the second Guardians in a while, but I remember not really liking it, and um, hmm. so I was happy that this and just in terms of the MCU in general, this this movie felt like a return to form as as a high note as well, because I think there was there were a lot of high notes in the um, you know quote unquote earlier days of the Marvel films films yeah. as opposed to the last few years. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot to like here. I think it did. It was a, a little more mature in some senses, like in terms of filmmaking. And I think that kind of is more just looking at how James Gunn himself has kind of evolved as a filmmaker. I think he, he knew better when to pull punches and not. Because I think it's the fault of, or credit goes to, the first Guardians when Marvel took too many liberties with being like humorous and like mm, yeah rather than letting a serious note be a serious note like nope we're gonna end that with a joke to ruin the moment but that's what mm. guardians kind of was that was kind of the shtick but then other movie marvel movies said oh well, we can do that too it's like no you can't because mm. you're not james gunn um and i think this movie showed a lot of maturity in still being able to be funny in similar in, in this much the same way but know when it's appropriate to and not to um but anyway, I yeah, this is gets high marks for me. Yeah, so she's saying that the second one is probably your least favorite because I think after seeing all of them multiple times, I think the second one's my favorite. Actually, I think that that one captures the yeah. I the, just I, like the whole villain ego thing does not work. Oh, I, I, that that totally worked for me. I, I think because 
I think for Guardians, for me at least, it, it feels like the, the heart of the whole thing is like chosen family versus found family. And I think that movie addresses it the best out of the three. Um, and yeah, I think that's why that, that one works for me so, so much. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Where should we, let's, let's talk about this one and what, where, where should we, Sean, where should we start? Um, well, uh, let's start with the beginning. And this is a very specific thing to bring up, but I thought the opening was awesome. This is maybe one of my favorite openings of any Marvel film. Maybe my favorite opening of any Marvel film. The the music montage to Creep of Rocket just walking through nowhere, interacting with all the characters, and ending in the fight. Like I I love that sequence so much, and it immediately grabbed me. Like it is like, oh, if this is the beginning, it's gonna have to do a lot of work to make me dislike it. And obviously didn't do that work. It did good work to wow. make me love it more i could not have more of an opposite reaction oh really you, you hated i that i was cringing so hard i've never oh. been more embarrassed to be a radiohead oh, fan what? than in that moment uh mario if you're listening please write in and tell sean why he's wrong you, oh your friend mario uh, not <laughs> super mario i mean well maybe that's partially the similar is that what you're kind of getting at ryan is is that what you mean by that no, just it was just such a cringy moment. Like, why was uh, I mean, that to me, it was about it, it felt like the vibe, right? Like all these people who don't belong, who are the misfits. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what Guardians is. They're the anti Avengers. But they're all together. It. They're not misfits if they're together. They're a team. And it was played to Rocket walking around. If anything, it would be for. Peter, well, I mean, they're, even they they may be together, really. but th- I think that kind of speaks of what they're getting at. They're, they're together, but they're not. They're they're not. They're they're physically together, but the whole this whole film is about them all finding themselves and and knowing that like they're not emotionally there. Their Rocket has never been emotionally with the rest, of, like with anyone, right? Like he's always been removed and felt odd and different, and and that's what they all do to an extent. Oh, I want to weigh in. I want to weigh in. So I, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of what I got from the use of that song. Sean, you you loved it. Ryan, you didn't. I thought it was just fine. And if anything, I would say my biggest criticism with it is that it's too on the nose. I think mm. I think with yeah. with, with okay. Rocket, it's like, yeah, he's I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. It's like, yeah, in the other movies, he's like, I don't really like he like if you go back to his drunken rant on uh on the in the first movie, um where he's talking about like, "Oh, you guys are just going to call me a freak and you guys are going to you guys are gonna mistreat me or whatever, and he's, and everyone's yeah. like, "No, dude, what the hell? We're trying to be nice to you." And he's like, "No, everybody's just always that way." And and you you could tell he has this baggage. He has this like you yeah. know all this emotional weight that he's carrying that nobody really understands. And part of that is because he won't let anybody in. And yeah. So it's like he legitimately is a mutated freak, but he like he's also the most closed off one of all the guardians. Um, so yeah, I think that the song is appropriate. I think it, it's too good of a choice. I think it just. I think. I think it hits the nail. Wow, on the head I, I you could not. Dis- I yeah, I, I completely disagree. There's an entire city full of inhabitants, all of which are coexisting in harmony. They don't point fingers at each other and saying, oh, you're a weirdo. We have one guy that has a mohawk and controls an arrow with his brain. We have a talking dog, a psychic talking dog. Like, everyone there is a weirdo. 
Right, yeah, Ryan, exactly. I think that's the point. That's the, that's exactly. the point. Is that, is no, that, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. That song is not what that song is about. That is not what that song is about. It's a complete misinterpretation so, of that song. So I guess what I'm saying is that, yes, they are all together, but they are all still weirdos, right? In what context? You just said they were weirdos. Weirdness is, weirdness is relative. Well, okay, let me put it this way. They all feel like weirdos then, and that's why that song is appropriate. No, I, and I and I want to. I say, wish the movie would have told me that. I I I thought that the reading was pretty clear that because Rocket has a, just such a massive chip on his shoulder, he thinks he's got this uh, he's got this special snowflake syndrome where he's like, I'm so misunderstood. Nobody will ever get me. And you're supposed to be like, no, dude, you're just you're wallowing in your self pity. You're the only like look around you. Everybody else is a misfit. Right, you need to get over yourself and realize that you have your found family right here. Like that's the point: is that he thinks that he's a misfit, when really the misfits are his family, which also ties into the end of the movie really nicely because you know when they turn nowhere into, eh, we accept everybody. It doesn't matter where you're from. All these kids, all these animals, whatever. You can all live here. And but Rocket is just carrying this emotional weight. He's just psychologically damaged. So I think. I mean, if anything, Ryan, what you're saying is, I feel like proof that it is the right choice because he is misinterpreting those lyrics as well, right? That that's that's how I feel. I feel like it's huh. pretty. So that's I a complete rewriting of the yeah, canon. Yeah, I think of it song, hits the nose, which I don't disagree with because which, that is one of the most inappropriately used songs in all of like. I mean, it was used in the trailer for Renfield, like it was. Well, it's see, so think, overused and never used correctly. I think that that so in that also, way I agree with you. I think that also adds more validity to my interpretation in that being that like no no rocket you're not a freak you're not a weirdo. Right? I just wish you, okay so okay, I you're right. I did forget that he felt that way in the previous films. So I I it's my fault for not having seen those films recently enough yeah, to remember and then, that. Yeah, and in Guardians 2, he has a whole fight with uh, who was it with? It was he has a fight with I think quill in the forest when they first get to um right no when they're on the planet before they go to the ego planet and and quill's like dude what is your problem everybody's just trying to be nice to you what is it about you that makes you think that you are the only one who's tortured and you're the only one who has a tragic life like we all do get over yourself right and i think i think that that opening speaks really well to his drunken rant in the first movie that fight they have in the second movie, and then his arc in this movie is him, like, like resolving that, right? Because we get to actually dive in and see firsthand his backstory, and we get to see why he feels that way. So the whole thing is, you know, it's, 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 it's the Rocket story. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that sets the tone of the movie really well. And, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, I think... Uh, the, the tone-wise, too, I mean, aside from maybe the interpretation of the song, I think at least the tone it sets is also what I liked about it. Um, because I think it set the, a tone that's a little bit more introspective and dark and mature. And maybe not dark. Dark's a, it's a cliche word. But, you know, more mature. Something that is, I mean, which kind of speaks, I think, to the film at large. One thing I appreciate, another thing I appreciate about it is that you know, in the end, it does become a little bit more of a, you know, 
save the galaxy type of thing. But in mm-hmm. general, the film's plot and story is very small. It is very low stakes mm-hmm. in terms of what they are trying to do. It is very personal for all of them. And it allows each of those personal journeys to be, you know, more apparent and make take center stage as opposed to, you know, a galaxy ending threat, which has been the case for every adventure we've seen them in pretty much so far. So, yeah, it, it, you know, so, you, you know, Rocket's character, he's he's a jerk the entire trilogy. But for up until this movie, oh, not even just the trilogy, all the other movies, he's a jerk, but he's funny. Yeah, and I feel like everybody at some point has known a person like that. Like they're they're kind of a jerk, but they're fun to have around. So we kind of put up with their jerkishness. But then you also kind of know there's there's probably something really dark under the surface, and and I kind of feel like we we knew that when we first meet Rocket in the first movie. So yeah, it, it it's weird, and this 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 speaks to some some of the reasons why I'm. Like, Sean, you said that you thought that this is a perfect ending for the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, Do you mean for, like, like it, just it, the characters or just in terms of in general? Like, you, it wasn't satisfying. For I guess what I mean by that is for the character-wise, I thought it was a great way to... I mean, I hopefully we do see some of these characters again. I mean, who knows what that it means? But if we don't, I'm very happy with where we have come with all of these characters and where we, we have come with them together. You know that the I guess, journey of them, uh, the story of them being together. I I, I guess what is it, it for me? It's a very very good Rocket movie. Mm-hmm. It's a it, and and you were talking about the scope of the story itself. The first movie and the second movie both had universal stakes. Like, um, we can't get the bad guy to get the planet destroying weapon in the first one. In the second one, we can't get the bad let the bad guy get the universe destroying power. Right. This one, it's like we just gotta save Rocket. Yeah. Even the bad guys, like, eh, like the what the most the biggest thing at stake is like he wants to blow up his own planet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he does, <laughs> and he does right, and he wants to get Rocket back so he can continue his research. Yeah. Like, we don't know where that's gonna go. So stakes are a lot smaller in this one. Um, it's a lot more personal because we care about Rocket and we want him to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good Rocket story, but I don't, I don't feel like it's a good end of a trilogy it doesn't feel like an end of a trilogy to me or you're saying that you think it leaves the characters in a good place i feel like the idea of it being the end of the trilogy feels very rushed at the end of the movie i i feel like there's too many other things going on and then it's like oh okay well uh, all right anyway so this person left and this person did this and this person did this and okay yeah when when the whole thing is so rocket centric it you know it doesn't I don't know. It doesn't feel like... I don't feel like it does justice to the other characters. Um, Especially when you have, um, you know, Quill and Gamora, they have this thing that's set up over several movies, and then they delete that from, you know, they they kill the original Gamora. That doesn't feel like it has enough time to develop in this movie for it to then end. And um, and because the first two movies are mostly Peter's story, for this one to all of a sudden be Rocket's story and then end the series, that feels off to me. I think that's why I can't quite land in a yeah, comfortable place I, I see with what this you're movie. saying, and I feel that a little bit. I do think it, it is interesting how Peter's the main character, but he doesn't feel like the main character. I mean, and by which I mean just like he's the 
protagonist for the most part, as much as it, it is Rocket's right. story, but Peter's doing the stuff in the scenes, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and then I do feel like the... I, I would agree with you with the Peter stuff at the end. I feel like then at the end, he's like, oh, but wait, it is Peter's movie, so he has to have kind of a we got to end on him and it has to have him have a, has the kind of like final moments when I think it would have worked better if we did end with, with rocket and Groot, you know, on dancing, whatever, on nowhere. Um, but I, I thought all the other, I, I, I liked the other characters conclusions or at least where, where we left them. Um, I, I kind of, I see what you're saying in terms of maybe the end feeling a little like, Oh, now we got to cram all this in. Um, and yeah, I could understand that perspective. I appreciate that. I, I guess I didn't, I didn't feel that way. It, to me, it felt like a, a recognition of all of them as a team together, the realizing it's the end of a chapter and that, you know, Peter right. and Rocket kind of are the folk or the cathar or the uh, catalyst for all of them to kind of like have these times to make a change and to, whether that's find themselves or become a leader in a different way or to shift how they are interacting with the guardian. It just felt like, yeah, those were still, they all still worked for me. Um, yeah, but like, yeah. but like, why is it the end though? I mean, well, what is it? What I is mean, the major? Why, why is it they, other than the fact that they decide that they decide it is, I mean, I mean, yeah, so I Peter, Peter's got a, he's, he's got a, he's got a grandpa now. And I guess we're going to care about the grandpa. But then at the end, it says Star-Lord will return. But yeah. just Star-Lord? Uh, so, but, you know, to me, I feel like, um, you know, the, the other characters got a good amount of chance to, to... So, like, the second movie was all about Peter and his backstory. Mm -hmm. With Ego and him coming to terms with this power that is bestowed upon him. And also his thing with Gamora, it's like kind of like, well, he isn't really earns that relationship because he's still dealing with his his literal ego you know so he hasn't really he hasn't really matured enough to handle that relationship and and so they they give a lot of time in the first two movies for him to be like uh will they won't they i don't know he's not mature enough for this he's not ready but then they delete all of that and it, it, i get to me to me it feels like um like 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 james gunn is really really focused on wanting to tell the rocket story now mm -hmm. but it had all these other little loose ends that had a lot of time spent developing peter and gamora was one of them right and um and they just they kind of just have to okay well all right we're uh, you know and then gamora disappearing and all that they just it, it feels like the focus shifts and then it doesn't ever shift back enough for us to have enough time with it um so yeah that I don't know it it's a weird one for me but i, I think but, for me like i never really thought about the guardians movies as like a trilogy um, right because i didn't there wasn't necessarily a lot of continuity like oh we're picking up where we last left mm -hmm. off sure um but this didn't feel like the conclusion of a trilogy it felt like it felt like a volume three. Yeah, maybe that's a better way to put it. You know, when we think of trilogies, we think of them as a singular, sprawling story or epic or whatever. Right. When when I meant the conclusion, I don't necessarily mean the conclusion of a story of a trilogy, but a conclusion of this franchise and how it has been portrayed. Sorry to interrupt, Ryan, but yeah. But yeah. yeah. No. I, I mean, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot to juggle in terms of characters stuff throughout the three movies. Um, 
so you know the first two do focus on kind of more peter centric i suppose um but uh, i wasn't in any way like i i was i like that this is a rocket story i like that this story was was small in scope i think too many of these movies are like it's it's the the end of the universe or you know at at, at risk here um the disadvantage of doing a, a, a smaller scope sometimes can be then well like why is there an antagonist at all like can't can't we just have this story be that we have to save rocket and then it's it's more like we're we get to explore characters more and we get to do these little smaller challenges i think this movie did a great job of making the bad guy integral into a smaller story mm-hmm. um, yes. which is i, th- I think is kind of hard to do or at least not done well often um so I thought that was really re- well done. Um, oh yeah, I did. I thought that too. It, it reminded me of um, a little bit the first Ant Man movie, um, where uh, you know Yellow Jacket. He's just like he's just a corporate guy who just wants to sell his weapons. Like we don't know what the bat he's going to sell it to Hydra. We don't know what Hydra's going to do if he does sell it to him. But like that's not what's at stake right now. Like we right. just like we just need to make sure we can steal this away from him so he can't do bad things with it later on down the line. Right, that's what this feels like when in this movie, the High Evolutionary, he's he's our immediate um, adversary because he's the one who we need to get the the kill code from, and we know that right. he's probably going to be up to some bad stuff later on down the road if he's successful at whatever it he's doing. But it, they kind of leave it, you know, vague enough to where they could they could have played around with that more in the future if they wanted to. They didn't, you know. So, no, I, I actually completely agree because I was thinking like, oh, this movie doesn't even need to have ended with the defeat of High Evolutionary. Right. That wasn't their goal. He could have, I mean, he's, you know, con- conceivably been around for hundreds or thousands of years right. blowing up planets left and right, right? Because he kind of mm-hmm. does, he blows up the counter earth like it's nothing. Um, right. So he, he says, yeah, there are entire planets that think of him as a god. So, yeah, you're probably right about that. Right. So, and I, I think he is, is he considered, like, one of the big, like, Marvel villains? I don't know if he is, but anyway. Yeah, I think he's, he's on the same scale as, like, Celestials or whatever, something like that, right? Right, like, it just kind of being this. Yeah. So it could be that, like, yeah, we don't necessarily need to defeat all these, like, big-time Celestial big bads. Um, they just, they were able to ward him off and you know, achieve their objectives. And that's the story we really care about anyway. Um, I don't like, how does he die? I don't think it was necessarily very satisfying. Well, that's the thing is that, yeah. like in, in the cartoons and in the comics, um, you know, it's like a lot of them are just like the bad guys, like, ah, I've been foiled again, but I'll get you next time. And that's what one of the aspects I think is really missing from the MCU because we like to see yeah. our favorite heroes come back, but we very rarely get to see our favorite villains come back. Oh, completely agree. I think they've done themselves a disservice by killing off. I think what does um, one of the guys comes back, the, the hammer guy from the first one, right? He, he comes back. He's in a couple of them, right? He's in three of them. Hammer? What's his name? Hammer boy. Um, hammer boy. In Marvel? What, t- what are we talking the, about? The, the villain from the first Guardians. Ronan or whatever. Ronan. Oh, oh, oh! oh, oh, Ro- yeah, he oh. appears. I guess he's in <laughs> Hammer Boy. That's what you get. Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was yeah, in. Um, his weapon is a hammer. Yes, he was in the um, the Captain Marvel, and I think he shows up in something else too. Yeah, um, I think he does. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, just the just that feeling 
that exciting feeling you get when you're, you know, watching the cartoon or reading the comic and you go, ah, not this guy again. Right. Yeah. Cause we know what he's about and you're like, ah, really? Come on. All right. Okay. And, and this is and the high evolutionary, like, I actually really liked him. I thought he was oh, such a good, like, I love to hate him, right? Like, there's a the whole thing, like, the save the cat thing for a hero. Well, this guy is like, no, I'm going to uh, torture and, and mutilate the the cat, like, literally. Um, so we instantly hate him, and it's actually, <laughs> it was pretty disturbing, to be honest. I, I mean, yeah, there's I a... Went too far, but... Yeah, a lot of people did. There's a lot of talk about how it's hard for some people to watch um, this movie because of the animal cruelty in it. But I guess animal yeah. cruelty is a really easy way to make you hate the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, sure is. It worked. But I would love to have seen because, like, he, you know, a lot of these villains, right, have this like very lofty goal, and you're kind of like, okay, let me let me think about what you're saying here, like, right? That's like, like the I've said this before on the podcast. Like, it's kind of a fun idea to think about Thanos's agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, okay, all right, it doesn't make sense, but. You, but you're also kind of like, oh, is he right? I mean, not really, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's a fun thing to conceptually fight against. I think what it is is that it's he's he's addressing a problem and then coming up with a solution. And you're going, okay, I don't agree with the solution, but that problem is a problem. Right, there you go. And so it's, and, it's, it's, it's easier for you to kind of, like, lean into his plight mm-hmm. and, you know, make right. you feel things. Right. Um well, the high, not that the high evil the high evolutionary's objective is like understandable or you're sympathetic in any way, but it's still like an interesting premise. That I was yeah. like, I want to see more of like, okay, wh- where could you take this? Because we didn't really even get to see. We got to see a planet of these weird animal humans, which was made played more for humor than it was any sort of like, okay, what are you actually doing with this guy? Um, so I, I would have loved to see him come back in another movie. Well, he's not yeah. dead. So. I thought he gets his face ripped off or something. He does, yeah, but then but they it... don't kill him. Remember, Rocket? He's like, "Why don't you kill him?" And then he goes, "Nah," because we're the gar- freaking guardians of the galaxy. And yeah, I think I think he very. Okay. I feel like he very easily could just come back out of the blue, and I wouldn't really question it. Like, I guess that's true. There'd like, be any it, number we... of ways he could have survived. Yeah, I mean, I guess the ship blew up, but it's like we didn't see him die. So, well, especially okay. if his whole deal is making people more efficient and being better at living you know like he's got all kinds yeah. of augments and stuff i i don't know i would believe he's in space or whatever i don't know like come up with some goofy sci-fi explanation doesn't matter i i would okay cool um, well yeah. i hope they should have ended the movie with the high evolutionary will return not stupid peter quill no one cares about him yeah i was surprised that they didn't end it with um What's what's in face? Golden the Golden Boy will return. Uh, Adam Warlock will return because I guess he's a character, right? People like yeah, him, he's... or he's important, or something. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, that was that, that was another the, the first. That was another scene. point. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up earlier oh, too. Is like you know I was saying you know it just seemed jam- like James Gunn was just only interested in the Rocket story because it's like okay you have Peter and Gamora, Gamora being a different Gamora, uh, and not interested in that. Okay, also the second Guardians, uh, Adam Warlock is my new creation. Well, I guess we have to have it. I'm not really interested in it, though. I, I... Yeah, like, I think that was one thing I was saying. Like, there's, it was, you know, it is tricky juggling so many characters. But I do feel like, it, while we didn't get a lot of Adam Warlock, I still felt satisfied by his arc. Like, yeah, it's, is it really that intricate or unique? No, but I think the beats hit where they needed to, and it gave me a satisfying ending for his character. I mean, the movie could have easily happened without him. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that that's but, how you yeah. felt because that's just not how I felt. 
and it, it just it, it it felt like we he's here because he has to be and the gamora peter stuff is here because it has to be and i when i was saying to sean earlier that i don't feel like this is a good conclusion to a trilogy if that's what we're going to say that it is it's because i don't feel like those puzzle pieces came together in a satisfying way i think a lot of the things that should have been bigger are in the background well that's what i was thinking like from my perspective this this wasn't part of a trilogy it's just volume three of a continuing saga right and i think where they where they did they left characters and what they did with the characters it kind of fits into that like this isn't some like ending point for their characters this shows the transitory transitory state of yeah. existence that it's always in and th- and this is just a this is just where we're leaving these characters for now right it's not that you know it's not like they're living happily ever after it's not like they they died it's there's no, it's not this is not a conclusion well i guess this is this is something i did want to address too um and Inevitably, this comes up in every MCU conversation, but where the real world creeps into the writing, and in that being James Gunn saying several times, this is my last time doing Guardians, so for me, this is a conclusion, Mm -hmm. and for a lot of the Guardians actors saying, yeah, my contract's up, so I'm done. You know, Drax, uh, Dave Bautista being like, I can't physically do this anymore, I can't keep up with the, the, the workout routine. He's, he said, if Drax is ever in these movies again, he won't be played by me, right? And it just seems like, oh, and, and uh, Zoe Saldana, I think she also said she's not going to do it anymore. So in a, essentially, you know, in a meta way, in the real world, yeah, it is a conclusion because everybody who's making this movie is treating it as such. Well, I guess maybe that's kind of what... So let's say there's a Guardians Volume 4 that comes out in years or whatever. But it is the squad that we see at the end of this with, you know, Mm -hmm. Adam Warlock and the kid and uh, Sean Gunn and Rocket and Groot and whatever. Different Guardians. That makes sense to me. But this would still feel like... This volume would still feel like a conclusion of this team, of this team of Guardians. And I guess... Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Is To me, the the stuff you're talking about, Chewie, I, I... I understand, like, maybe wanting more Peter and Gamora because they were so, like, such a prominent part of the first two entries. Um, But the conclusion that they came to, I was, I felt satisfied with. Like, I I mean, they could have done more with it in this, but I was actually pretty happy with where they landed with them. Yeah, I was happy that they they took it the angle they did. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's almost like Marvel dealt... Sean, uh, James Gunn like a bad hand in terms of like, hey, we're gonna kill off Gamora, yeah. right. so, so yeah. But but I think that shows a little bit of the talent of James Gunn writing that into this story to, and making it feel correct. Like I think, I think building... this is the right yes. way to have done it. Granted, I, I I do have some problems with kind of the how of it, specifically the fact that like. Okay, we know Peter Quill is not the smartest guy, but he realizes that two separate humans or be- beings yeah, do not yeah. share memories. Like, hey, Matt, remember when I, when you when I went to Coachella? Mm-hmm. And remember how that one specific instance happened? Oh yeah, I remember. Oh, okay, because you share <laughs> we share memories. I forgot. No, we I share mean, memories. like, I think, I think. Like, he's not that stupid. No, like, he he's not. And I have to really... This is where I have to try to use some empathy or in trying to understand... Put my mind into someone of, like, 
how traumatic it would be to lose somebody that you love and then they're there again. Like, there's some massive denial going on. I don't think he's that stupid. I think he's I think he's mentally ill is more likely. You know, yeah, he's I, so through to me it was coping. I think like, what it, yeah. It, it, I can yeah. maybe believe that. I think the real reason is because they realized that the audience is not going to be able to keep up unless we hammer it home to remind them that she died and she's a different person. So we have to have well, Peter I keep asking the questions. Right. So they yes. Remind, yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's a, too, I yeah. think that's a very valid point. I think what I said is how we're supposed to read it. But I also think that what you're saying it's and again, real world creeping into this with the writing. It's like, well, did the audience all do their homework? Eh, we better do this just in case. You know, and and uh, that's another thing that we're always talking about is the amount of homework that is necessary, uh, you know, as farther into this whole thing that we get. So, um, so yeah, it, yeah, he's not, I, we're not supposed to read him as, as that dumb. We, we know he isn't. I mean, it, to me, it's just the same, like, it's, it's, I think, it's the same as when in a zombie movie and someone goes, oh, mom, and they go, no, she's a zombie, and the person says, she's like, it's easy for us as jaded intellectually thinking media consumers to go just shoot her it's not your mom it's obviously it's not your mom why do you have like i and i want to try to you know not be so cynical 100 but in this case i think there's an element to it whereas too it's like she does have the same memories up to a certain point so in a lot of ways she is the same person right like up until yeah. five years ago so it's not like she's a completely different person and she's not a zombie who's trying to attack him so like I, and, and I think there's enough that he does and says where he's saying, my Gamora, right? I think it, at first there is that same beat, but I think that it, it evolves a bit or the, the discussion changes where he starts going into more of my Gamora, where he starts to at least articulate that, yes, he understands they're different, but look what we could be. My Gamora did like this and this. You, why aren't you like, like, and I think, I think that's a, a very, yeah. Um, what's the right word? Uh, it felt it felt real in a in a human emotional way. To yeah, it does face with that too, situation. Ryan, you said in the re- the recap the summary that he's like, ah, oh, he's kind of sad, but like, no, he was like, yeah, dealing I, he, with some to me, really he was hardcore alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. like everybody. It, well, to the yeah, point I don't where, think to the point where all of your friends are commenting regularly about how drunk Peter is and how he's drunk again. Like he's dealing with some hardcore alcoholism. Right, I think he's in a very, very, very bad place mentally, and uh, and and you're, you, Sean, what you were saying about, um, you know, we'd like to believe that we would just shoot the zombie family relative. Yeah, I, I think another example is, um, you know, if you're watching like a slasher flick, and and you want to yell at the screen like, now pick up the thing and and hit him with the thing, or no, do this, no, don't go that way, run that way, or you know, you're you're kind of trying to coach the character as if you know better as to how to get out of that situation and i will admit i'm totally guilty of this but what you don't really take into account is how adrenaline affects your body physics and how like your fight or flight and stuff and it's like it's easier said than done right it's Mm -hmm. easier to look at a character like it's easy to look at a character like peter and go you idiot you know you know it's not the right person it's the same person but it's 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 a, a little bit more to kind of really be like okay try to feel like that actually happened to you Right, like you're having mental breakdowns and you're depressed and you're 
questioning what's real and not and and i don't know your brain breaks people's brains break that's the thing um i think there is a definitely a meta scene with it all what you're kind of talking about ryan or and chewie both of you were saying where he was dealt a bad hand and it's the elevator scene when they're on that ogle thorpe whatever ogle, whatever the, that weird bio the, the meat building the meat building and where he's basically summarizing all of uh the avengers infinity war and endgame uh, in that elevator exposition dialogue. And I think it's yeah. actually pretty funny, but I think there's a meta level to it where it's almost like James Gunn going like, this is what I have to deal with. Because he kind of like, yeah, in the way yeah, he's saying it, right? Like it kind of comes across as like, all right, this is what happened. And just, I have to deal with it. And it's ridiculous, right? Listen to what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. This is stupid, right? But I guess this is what I got to deal with. So, um, yeah. Yeah. On, a, on, a, on, a, on an unrelated note, when they uh, when they broke into the the meat building, yeah, and they and they cut the little circle and they they pulled the mm-hmm. little plug out. Did any of you guys think that looked like a delicious ham? <laughs> I don't remember thinking that either both time t- I saw it. But... Both times I thought that when they cut the little circle, the little hatch to to break yeah. in, they they pulled out a circular like a cylindrical chunk of meat, <laughs> and uh, and I, it made me hungry both times. Well. Um, there's a lot of. No. I did note that Brian, there is no. a lot of people eating in this film. There's a lot of just like awesome, great just scenes and stuff of people eating things and drinking things. Nebula has like skewers when they're on the planet. They're drink. They're always like they have like little drinks, sci-fi like fast food and stuff. There's a lot Zark of nuts. Yeah, Zark nuts. Exactly. Which they sell at the Disney parks now where they have <laughs> Guardians Reds by Zark nuts, or maybe just Epcot. I'm not sure. Anyway, what, what what's happening? What's going? On? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, okay. I want to complain about this movie some more. Um, so, um, so I said that the, the the structure was weird, and I and I, I I had hoped that on second viewing, um, it would have it would have uh been a little bit more clear uh but it wasn't and and ryan i feel like i'm validated by your your uh, recap of the movie when when you're like uh they went back to nowhere or wait no nowhere came to them or that they, they smashed and then someone was on this place i feel like there's a good 30 minutes where people are just like jumping back and forth between locations and i'm like i don't know who's where i don't know why those people are where they are and i i feel like most of this is wasting my time um, and, and, and I, and I, I had hoped that on first viewing, that was just because there was so much action happening that I was just caught up in, in the moment, but no, on second viewing, I, I felt the same way I'm just like, this is, there's a lot of, it feels like what's a lot of filler in a lot of those, those action scenes. It, it feels like there's several moments. That's the climax where they could then end the story. And then there's like another climax. Um, did you guys feel that way at all? Um, I didn't have a problem so much with the structure, but I do agree that like in that, I guess, end of second act, third act beginning where there's a lot of kind of running around and, and, and action that kind of, it got confusing. Um, granted this, I'm talking about a movie I saw two months ago, so right doesn't say too much, but, um, yeah, I think maybe it's because like I don't know, it's getting older. But like sometimes there's like yes, this is an action IP. They have to have action scenes. But that like final action scene where it's like one, you know, it's a fake one shot. Um, 
well, it's a cool scene, and yeah, you have to have a final action scene with all your guardians in in a movie. Um, but it also felt like uh, we didn't need that. <laughs> like a lot of it felt uh, like that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the action was like was fine. It was like okay, yeah, they're they're coming in here, they're busting up the joint. But that one is like, um, I, I could have done without this one. <laughs> yeah. Wait, there were a lot of little moments where they're like, oh no, so and so still on the over there, and I'm like, wait, they they are. I thought they were here. And then I'm like, oh, uh, Gamora and the Ravagers are back. And I'm like, oh, they left? What? <laughs> like, it's just, I feel like the editing and the jumping back and forth between all the characters is just, it's 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 messy. It felt me- messy to me. And I was starting to, it was starting to creep into, like, wake me up when it's over mode. Kind of like the ending of Solo, where everybody's backstabbing each other. And I'm like, okay, okay, I, you're losing me. Just like, come on, like, get to, whatever the point is, get to the point. You know, I think I did have a moment. It was when Rocket is like he's flying some ship, and there's like one billion bullets on screen, and like that was like the point in my brain where like yeah, it kind of gets to that like okay, am I checking out? I can't, I don't know what's going on. But it, it was only for a second, and then it kind of that moment that scene only lasts for you know fifteen seconds, and then he crashes, and then it's like oh okay, we're we're and now I know where people are again. Yeah, it's definitely something that definitely watching it a second time helped a lot. Um, because I remember after my first viewing, I still loved it after watching the first time. But I do remember thinking during bits and parts of it, it was a little bit hard to like specifically follow, like not just scene by scene, especially like you guys are saying that running around, there's a little bit in the middle there. But even some of the like, okay, the plot of like, why is this person in that? Especially with, so that sequence when they're on the planet, when they're on counter earth, and they're divided up, and then Adam Warlock comes and attacks, and then they move around, and Gamora's fighting him, and they're like on, they're fighting on the ship, then they're off the ship, then they're back on the ship again. Like that, that stuff was on a second viewing much improved, but there were still some bits that were just like, um, wait, why? Like, why is why is this person running here now? Um, but I just I just yeah. felt like all of that needed to be tightened up. I felt like all of that part of the script needed another pass and where people were and what they were doing at an even time, I feel like needed to be more purposeful um, because in the meantime, they're dealing with all these important story beats and, and rocket stuff. And it, it feels like, okay, we now we need to tell this part of rocket story or now we need to have this character. Yeah. Beat. Where well, a we big part it? of it too is yeah. them. It's them following specifically the high evolutionaries henchman who has the code and on the second on the second viewing that's much more apparent like that's why they're doing so much of what they're doing is they're tracking right. that specific guy onto the planet up into the high evolutionary spaceship right, off right. the like right so that follows them and it makes oh okay if you follow that uh but yeah a, a lot of that stuff the other thing too i think maybe what you're speaks a little bit to the structure maybe chewy is and this is something i actually liked it wasn't so much a negative for me but the third act this is a very long third act yeah um, yeah yes and i i agree there's some parts where maybe there's a little bit too indulgent on some of the actions and you know, just explosiony kind of stuff. But overall, I was pretty into the entire, like, once kind of Rocket wakes up again. I think also because we didn't get any Rocket for its first two thirds of this film, as yeah. much as it is a Rocket movie, it's just like, oh, I'm missing the Rocket, like, stuff. The I, I want to see Rocket interacting with people and, you know, being a hero and a doing cool stuff so because that third act was longer and he was in it very you know obviously uh, profiled 
it it helped that and i totally understand like i for whatever reason that action hallway sequence i i loved it and i if it was another franchise or another film or maybe something that i uh, for whatever reason i was fine with the overindulgence there but it's not an excuse for it necessarily yeah no i think that does go a long way because i think there are like we've we've been with these characters for quite a while now so i'm and and for me i liked everything that was done with each of the characters like yeah i, I found myself li- liking nebula oh yeah nebula like, was maybe right she yeah. was amazing yeah. like yeah. i loved her character so much in this movie even though like okay she kind of takes a backseat to all the other stories kind of yeah. going on but you really get a good sense of her characterization and how she kind of is stepping up into a leadership role and you see those character moments for her throughout the film so where she ends at the film feels earned um and i think for me they do a good job a good job with that for all these characters and sean like you're saying there's a lot of um i don't know they've garnered goodwill towards that so when we do get these overindulgent moments i'm not rolling my eyes i'm i'm just i'm enjoying the scene but then on in retrospect i'm like oh maybe that didn't need to be there or, or whatever more on an analytical perspective but yeah just yeah yeah that totally makes sit, sense. sitting in my movie seat i'm enjoying every minute yeah and i mean and i totally that was another huge kind of thing which we haven't got too much into but i totally agree with i as much as it is uh, as it is it is a rocket movie i i think all of the characters uh i, I remember reading or some criticism that like you know a lot of the characters don't get featured enough i i don't know i disagree i thought all the characters i loved all yeah, the characters stories in this film now obviously with the cast of six primaries and you know stories for a good sec group of secondary characters you know you can't they can't all be equal per se but i don't for for a cast this big i thought it was surprisingly like cohesive in terms of all of these characters feeling like they've become uh, gone on an emotional journey and having not just like a single beat or just like a one dimensional like Drax I thought was like I think one thing that kind of uh, uh, I don't know made it kind of come into focus is one of my favorite scenes is when they're on the alien planet and they're all in the house it's one of the funniest scenes in the movie I thought I loved. oh yeah and they're all just like goofing like Drax like that it's like oh they're a family and that sounds so stupid like eh, they're of course they're a family sean that's what (laughs) all movies are about family um but that is like oh especially fast and the furious but especially star wars uh but especially guardians of the galaxy they're all it's literally nebula is the mom she's telling to like sit up like it is literally just a family scene when you're hanging out with your family sit up no don't drink don't t- like it's that's what's going on and nebula i think to your point and to what you're saying ryan uh, she totally is the mom and i don't just mean that yeah. she's a woman and she's uh, an adult woman because so she has to be a mom i just mean like in terms of her instinct her role the caretaker and which is something i thought picked up a little bit more on the second viewing is that she was always the always taking the moral high ground on everything. Like anytime there was a like a question, like when they're sh- shooting people in the bio building, Gamora is just constantly like, oh, "I'm going to shoot him." And Nebula is the one like, "Do not shoot oh, people." Yeah. We, like she is constantly 
of all people, Nebula is the one that is right. always taking the highest high, you know, the high ground, right? Like things like that throughout the film for all the characters. Yeah, and I, I think were awesome. by having that contrast, mm-hmm. like so. In a, in a, so again, this goes to what I would consider skillful writing mm-hmm. on the part of James Gunn, because if we consider where those two characters, those sisters, yeah. started at the beginning of the three um, of the of the Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, it, it's you know, Nebula is the villain. Like yeah. she's the bloodthirsty murderer. Um, and we see Gamora grow into a softer character, but then having her character be erased, we get to see the contrast of where that character specifically, mm-hmm. well, actually of both of them, how much they've grown over the series. Granted, Gamora got reset, but yeah. just, <laughs> and, and, and so, but so in other words, the reason I, I give credit to James Gunn for that is because he was able to you know, take lemons and make lemonade, right? Like he was, like I said, he was dealt a, a very tough hand, but made it very meaningful for both characters. Yeah. And, and I think too, I, and to the Gamora side of things, I also really appreciate it. And this kind of goes into a little bit with her relationship with Peter. I, like I said, I like where they went with that relationship and where it kind of ended, but just as her, as a character of like, her being this harder version of Gamora than we're used to, but not being bad per se. Like she's not a bad guy or a bad person, but she's just not one of the guardians. She doesn't belong there yeah. and being okay with that. And just as us and as an audience also being okay with that, like that last scene when everyone's hugging and they all saved and it's like, whatever, all the kids and all the, everyone's there and her just <laughs> yeah. like realizing like, this isn't my, I'm, I, this is not where I belong. Um, right. I don't know. I think that's a really, maybe not really, but it's a mature take on a giant, bombastic, mainstream action film for it not all to be like, yeah, we're all going to be together forever as best friends. We're the three best friends that anyone has ever had. The three best friends that anyone's Well, yeah, I started out by saying that the the level of maturity that this film shows mm-hmm. as you know compared to where the series started. And yeah, so I, I very much agree. I think the easy route would have been obviously to have Peter and Gamora yeah. get back together and obviously have, you know, maybe, or maybe they're not back together, but Gamora wants to stick around. Yeah. I liked that they left it where they did. They, mm-hmm. it, and, and my take was that, you know, she's, it's not like they're ever, never going to see each other again. And yeah. that, like it, I mean, it, she's going to have her own growth and her life experiences and, and that's going to take her in a different direction. I think that's like a res- something we should respect as as her character. Yeah, um, and I, like yeah. the even nod that they give each other, like the kind of grunt and a nod and a smile as they kind of walk yeah. at the last scene, Gamora and Nebula. Oh yeah, yeah I love that. Great. Yeah. Um, another just some more kind of character stuff. I mentioned Drax, but like the conclusion with De- Dra- Drax again, maybe this is too on the nose, I guess. But I don't know. For me, it worked and it was really touching. Is when it's like, oh. Drax, you're not a destroyer. You're a dad. Like, oh yeah. Again, playing into the yeah. family and his role and what, like, like his maturity. Well, that, and stuff. that's how his. That's yeah. That's how his whole journey started, yes, right? Is right. by losing his family. Yeah. And so he and he gained a new one. Like, yeah. It's it's just like yeah. They I like there's these little moments where yeah maybe Drax doesn't get a, a lot, but he gets just the right amount or, yeah. or right. whatever you know. Yeah, the whole thing being about. You know, all these characters have huge, huge emotional baggage because they come from broken or toxic family situations. And they're like, yeah, how your how you who your family is 
and how you interact with them completely shapes who you are as a person. So I think, yeah, what you're saying about Gamora, uh, yeah, I, I, I like how that is left off too, because it's like, yeah, that, that she does not have, she isn't the person because she didn't have that family. Yes. Right. She's, exactly. so she's not the same person. And I think, you know, Peter realizes that and that's, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's good stuff in there. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, one other note, like, I mean, I, music has kind of always played a big role in these movies. And I think they, again, I think they did it pretty well in this one. Obviously it was like a big kind of personal thing for Peter because it's memories of home and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I like that they didn't put too much of a focus on it on this one. Cause that shtick kind of was getting old and, it was fine. All the music choices were, were good for the most part. And I, that was cool. Cause that's sort of the guardians. One of the things it has yeah. to do. Um, but I, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, we get it. It's, it's a song from the nineties. Okay. Let's, let's move on with the story here. It wasn't that distracting, but there were some things where it's like, yeah, okay. It's a guardians movie. They have to do this. It didn't feel, I guess what I'm saying, it didn't feel inspired. Uh, yeah, I, so as compared to like the first one, I I, I would maybe agree with that. I don't think it bothered me per se. Anyway, I, I was generally very happy with everything, and but I did think to myself multiple times because of our Mario episode and how much we were all ragging on it. And one of our yeah. collective least favorite things, and people I've talked to least favorite things about the film are the needle drops there. And yeah, why do they work for me in the Guardians films? And they work because of things what you just said ryan of like it's how it's baked into the story and the character and uh, other reasons but there's there is that kind of lingering questions like am am i giving credit why am i giving credit to them here but not to this other thing here when they're kind of doing the same thing they're not and it's obviously a different you know shows a different level of skill but i don't know just just something i was thinking of um I will say though that part of it yeah. is the it's not diegetic like in, in yeah. Mario. Yeah, that's, where it that is, is that is arguably it, diegetic here. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's kind of a fun where they kind of have their cake and eat it too. Where it's the excuse of like, yeah, they're, this is diegetic. They're listening to it, but obviously it's played over montages and right. So like they right. could come both ways. Uh, also, this was not actually in the film, but during the credits, uh, Bruce Springsteen Badlands, which was kind of yeah. like cool oh they got some springsteen in there um yeah uh but oh also chris pratt is in two movies with no sleep till brooklyn funny right. yeah <laughs> i i didn't make it I, I didn't write it down but as i when i was watching guardians i was like oh wow really okay <laughs> that's funny um but uh but yeah i mean it's definitely a huge aspect of these films so i i yeah i would agree maybe it's not as good as the first or even the second one but I still think it was something I liked from this film overall. Yeah, like I, I want to. It wasn't something I disliked mm-hmm. at all. It was just kind of like a. Yeah. I was more like aware of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Um, and then also like that that ending. I I like that ending. I almost wish they just cut hard when Groot and Rocket are dancing. Like I almost felt like ooh that's that was my emotional high that moment. Of just like when everyone's kind of down, they're nowhere, and everyone's just kind of left. And now it's up to Rocket, the guy who always felt like he didn't belong. He's always just kind of begrudgingly been part of this team. Now it's his job to be the emotional center of this, to lead. 
And what does he do? He dances. Boom. Cut it out there. Like that to me, like felt was, and I, there was too many other stories. And maybe this kind of goes to what you were saying, Chewie, where they had to kind of resolve a couple, a lot of other things. Um, all that being said, I, I really like that ending sequence again. Just the, the, I don't know, it was a less obvious choice to me. Feist of all things. It was just like, oh, okay. Feist. No, I think it was, wasn't yeah. it Florence and the Machine? Oh, it was a Florence. Yeah. Sorry. Florence and the Machine. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, it was a weird choice. That was one. It was weird. And also like this, the CG dancing group. Oh, yeah. A little cringe, but mm. um uh yeah, it was an interesting choice for sure. Uh the the gag too with Gamora just like you guys are just making up what he's saying. I thought that was I was, I thought that was, that was funny. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed that, yeah. yeah. Um I will like yeah. uh, sorry, I was going to say I think this is the least funny of them, but there were a lot of really good funny moments, but I think I thought the first two were funnier. Eh. I think for me, the humor didn't work as well in this movie because I think it, it you, I think it clashed with the tone. Mm-hmm. I think this movie definitely had a darker uh, tone yeah. than the first two, and and I think, I think the humor was like uh, not autopilot, but like okay, this is the kind of humor people are going to expect, and if we have a darker tone, we got to do more of it. But it, it didn't. I don't know. It it, it didn't quite gel with me. I think part of it is that Chris Pratt in the first two is such a source of that humor. He's awkward, kind of charming, yeah. but goofball kind of thing. And because what you're saying to you, he is in such a different emotional place, he can, can't can really play that. And we don't really want him to be that because it would undermine his character in this yeah. movie. Um, so, But yeah. I, think, I, I think the humor for me is, it still did work. And I think like they could have played into maybe, I don't want to say dark humor, mm-hmm. but like that angle of humor more. For, mm-hmm. I think like the part of the movie where he's in the car and he's trying to oh, get yeah. Nebula to open the door, yeah. which that I was, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I, no, and I was, he, he, yeah. Like in that style of humor is, was right. Cause he's getting angry at yeah. her, right. They could have played that sort of angle yeah. um, where he's getting frustrated and angry. And he's just like, now lift the <laughs> effing handle, right. They that, drop the F bomb. Yeah. The first F bomb in the MC. That bit, yeah. that bit reminded me of like an always sunny, sequence <laughs> yes, yes. where it's like yeah they're all family and they love each other but they also kind of hate each other and they're just <laughs> screaming and getting frustrated yeah right and i think i think that this movie could have used more of that that flavor yeah i think that tone could have exactly that flavor would have been perfect more more often like for again for me the humor worked pretty well like just yeah, the, I, I mean, I'm not the normal it, yeah. normal goofy stuff yeah. but i think it would have been also kind of like a a show of additional like evolution in terms of like yeah we were growing the characters we're growing the style of humor mm-hmm. like come along with this ride with us like we're, we're taking this in new places um and anytime they did so i was on board so i think they could have taken even more risks in that regard yeah and I, i'm sorry i don't mean to say the humor didn't work for me i i there i it did work for me over like just I felt like overall it wasn't quite as laugh out loud funny as the first two. But that being said, there was a lot of like really like all the whole sequence on the bio plant a bio planet facility thing. Nathan Oh, that uh, was great. Nathan, I, Nathan Fillion was yeah. his like little is like so I hate funny. this guy. Like why did you say that then? Well I didn't hear what you said. And just like that running weird that, running. I, I, <laughs> That running joke worked so well for me. I was laughing. So- and just like their weird bodysuits. Yeah, the weird. Like, yeah. That could have easily backfired yeah. and been like, whoa, this is really bad. But it was so, it worked so well for me. I was laughing, like just 
Just him in that weird bodysuit <laughs> and just everyone running around, like or like when Mantis and Drax go up and and she's like, "You're in love with him," and like the way Drax reacts, like, "Oh, this has happened before. Like this happens all the time." Like just like that dynamic. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah. the was it that scene where there's the guy who looks like the carrot or whatever? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that, I don't want to you know say the film was not funny because it was definitely funny it was great it was it was great moments and stuff um yeah but i think that's all like i think maybe for me it was like there was just less yeah um jokes just yes per, per minute like yeah jpms um but i think that also made me appreciate the humor they, they did have more so, yes. so it's yeah, you know because yeah. i think like and like i was saying before like just kind of I keep using the word maturity, but it's in this context, maybe not quite the right word mm-hmm. where instead of like, Oh yeah, we're just going to like every opportunity slip in a, a fart yeah. joke or t- t- this, this epic serious moment. Uh, it's going to yeah, give you a record it. scratch and undermine the, and make it a joke. I, I think they, by t- kind of cutting that parts, those parts out, we, c- we could appreciate the humor more instead of just like, yeah. Oh, this is just a silly, goofy, yeah. stupid. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally see what you're saying. Um, one thing that just kind of I thought of when you were talking about like the suits, just also the the suits they're all in, which are all the very bright, you know, primary color kind of suits, which is cool. But it also just reminded me another big point I want to talk is just like the look of this film and how it looks beautiful. And I don't mean like it looks beautiful and like it looks so realistic. I just mean the aesthetic. And this is something I we've talked about in yeah. the last couple MCU and just superhero action film discussions at large is one of the criticisms I kind of felt about Ant-Man Quantumania and like Shazam and I don't know, whatever previous, whatever is that they came across as very generic. There wasn't a, to me a very strong, like beautiful aesthetic, but with this, it's like, oh, yes, this is what I've been missing. This is what I want. Yeah. There's a unified, just a um, great look to everything. Um, it looks original. It looks, uh, they all look of a piece, like they belong in the same movie. Um, there's obviously bits that are CGI, but it's not like, it, it's not quote unquote bad CGI. Um, I don't know. Like, I was just very impressed with how this film looked. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I love going back to the Ergo. Corp yeah. thingamajig that whole that mm-hmm. whole set looks so like i just remember looking at all the backgrounds there's all kinds of like weird i, I can't even tell you like organs yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know there's like this yeah. there's like some orange juice fountain or something yeah. going on in the background it but right like it, but i can just think about that location and i can yes. immediately visualize it in clear detail because yeah. it has like and all, and they go to just a couple different rooms in that facility, but every facility feels like, oh, yeah. this, it, it feels a sense of space like to it. And... A sense of, yeah, a sense of space. And it builds in like the world building and the idea that this place was grown and it feels like it was grown. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense for our villain yeah. who is all into like genetic engineering stuff, right? It all plays together really, really well. Um, and then like the uh, what the bad guys ship. Well, that's just that's fine. The bad guys ship and the counter Earth all yeah. feel. I mean, I think yeah, even nowhere. Feel, yeah. Not that we hadn't seen it before, oh, but yeah, I nowhere. definitely think this version of nowhere had a great style and look to it. Um, and and then you have so you have all these very lived in like you know set locations, but then I you know. And I think this kind of goes to what you're saying earlier, Ryan, about the maturity of James Gunn himself as a filmmaker. You can then pull back and have these 
just bombastic, boisterous, giant head planet ramming into giant yeah. square <laughs> spaceship as an action set piece that is both funny and ridiculous, but climactic and heavy and just like cathartic like right like i think he's able to kind of manage these all pull all these strings at the right you know at the right whatever tensile strength so that they all kind of interlocked in the moments when we want them to yeah no no 100 like that that when those two ships come to head to head like oh my god this is insane and, <laughs> yeah. and like it fires the thing out of his eye or whatever i was like yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> this is insane and like you're just it, it feels like those are the kind of the moments where like oh we've known about this thing since the beginning and now we kind of get to own it yeah you know mm-hmm. if that makes sense like yeah totally. um, yeah um so yeah i i enjoy that um trying to think though those are i think we touched upon most of the stuff i wanted to talk about i i you guys kind of said what's your least favorite i it's you know thinking about it more I don't know. I, I, I wanted to rewatch the first two before watching this one, but I didn't. So I want to rewatch them again. But I think currently I rank these in reverse order. But I love them all. I think this is my favorite. Um, the second one I actually did like a lot. And the first one I obviously love. So I don't know. But I would rank them yeah, three, two, one. Yeah, I need to rewatch them too. Yeah. Right now I'm. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm three, one, two. And I am two, one, three. Nice. Okay. But I'd say I put two just a little bit above one, not like miles above. Yeah, me neither. I I mean, honestly, I don't put any of these miles above any of them. I, to me, they're all very, very close in my mind. I, I, I do, I, you know, said beginning, but I think this is just the singular best franchise individually in the MCU. Um, and, and maybe I'm missing something out there. I'm trying to think like if you're, a huge Iron Man fan, maybe, but I, you know what I mean? Like it's clear. There's kind of a little bit of a dud in each of the other, um, heroes or, you know, whatever franchises. Yeah. The other thing too, is this franchise or these, this volume one, two, and three, I think you could watch the, the, they do a better job of being contained as in, if you didn't watch any other MCU film and you only watched one, two, and three of guardians, I think you would, be able to follow it and have overall a more complete experience than if you were to watch, you know, Captain America one, two, and three, right? I think there would be a lot yeah, more missing that's true. from I think that watch. I, I would, I would recommend throwing the holiday special in there. I think, that yeah, the holiday, that, it doesn't I, add yeah, ton, but it's worth it. Yeah. No, I, I disagree. I think that, I think if it weren't for the bit with, um, with Mantis, I think yeah. the emotional beat is mainly covered in the holiday special where it's given the weight that it deserves. Yeah. And I think it, it when I think in this movie, they treat it like, well, just in case oh, you didn't yeah. see the holiday special, yeah. uh, by the way, she's a sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see if you haven't seen it being like, wait, huh? Wait, what? Slow down. What? Yeah. And then it's just, and then she doesn't, she doesn't have as much to do. So, uh, yeah, I would, I, I think that if you're talking about a series, that one needs to be included. Um, I think it's more important than I think people give it credit for. Yeah, and you throw it in there. It's only, what, 45 minutes or something anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, well, any other thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? No. Have we fully expressed our Grootness? 
Groot also finally said something else. He also has grown as a character. He could say other words. Well, he said we in the first one. That's true. We are. We, we are, are but then he died, so the current group. Oh, right. I guess he well. didn't die. I was thinking about it, too, because in this he gets pretty messed up and, like, his head is running around pretty much. And I was like, oh, I guess he never died. Well, obviously he never died because he's kind of the same character, but he grew up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's weird to think about. Uh, well, yeah, because when he's it, he's adolescent, right? He yeah. has the behaviors of an adolescent. That's what I mean, so yeah, right? he 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 grew up. That's I think he restarts his life cycle. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Well, final thoughts. I I still remain mixed on this. I I obviously like this movie a lot, and I think that it um, and I do think it's the weakest because it doesn't quite all gel for me, and I and I I wanted to. I didn't feel that like, <clears throat> yeah, that's what it is when it when it was over. And I didn't feel it on second view, but I still think it's one of the better ones in the overall huge multi-Marvel thing. So, yeah. Oh, what do you guys... Final thought. Final thought. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, you know, I... I sounds like I probably liked it a little more than either of you. Um, but I, yeah, I loved it. it I don't know favorite movie of the year so far if not it's up there it's in the top three for sure i think also easily one of my favorite of the marvel films from the last years or two um i um was very happy with everything the it was funny all the characters i really love um and a little bit more mature and dark but in ways that i think were earned and added to kind of the world the story and the characters specifically also just like the idea that when it shows the high evolutionary with his mask off at the end and he's just like this grotesque bleeding thing which is nasty but then you're like oh rocket did that to him i don't like there's like layers and complexity and just like going on there so anyways yeah i I agree i think it's um i yeah i like it quite a bit um highly recommend that all people should see it. Um, I think it actually did pretty well and is doing pretty well. Yeah, so. I think, yeah. Which is good to hear. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad because it's one of those things where, like, yeah, we, as we were saying, I think uh, the Marvel films have not been quite up to their usual muster um, as uh, mm-hmm. last, you know, few years. Um, and I think, like I said, this is a return to form in that regard. So, yeah, I'm happy to see that it's still possible granted i guess marvel's losing james gunn to the competitor oh, uh, yeah. competitor, but um so that'll be a fun thing to explore in the coming years i say i think we're in for a rough few years for marvel given the writer strike and the jonathan majors situation i weirdly think that they might even like oh thank god for the writer strike we can figure this out maybe or something. <laughs> yeah but yeah, uh, yeah. i think yeah we're Oof. Anyway, I mean, they have like they, they can easily, you know, write their so- themselves yeah. out of it. If you, I mean, they have the like all these multiverse magical whatevers. They can they can recast them and give some sort of multiversal yeah. answer. And I don't know how much of it, you know, how much will be lost. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I mean, we'll he's already yeah. Filmed. I mean, they have also already pulled back on the sheer amount of content over the last, especially the TV, which in general, I think I've liked their TV over the last couple of years more than their films by, by and large. Um, but you know, Kevin Feige in the last year, like, yeah, we're 
we're not we're cutting back a little bit. It's we're not going to be drowning you with yeah, content. which is a smart yeah. Move. I generally just in general. feel it's probably yeah. wise. Yeah, I mean, I felt I definitely feel Star Wars burnout, and I'm approaching Marvel burnout. Um, yeah. I'm not there yet, but I'm I definitely feel like I'm on the on the way. So I, I I need them to pump the brakes. Well, what is what is the next thing? Is a TV? It's like a um, Secret Invasion, right? That's is, in, is that before the Marvels? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's this okay. summer, as in like a month maybe from now. It's pretty soon, I think. And then Marvels, I think, is in fall, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. And, I mean, granted, the Spider-Man movie doesn't quite fall into MCU canon. Yeah. But it's still Marvel. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just, you know what I mean? Like, oh. I think it still contributes to whatever um, yeah, fatigue, you, you know. Secret Invasion is in two weeks, actually. Huh. All right, then. Neo, yeah, um, and the Marvels comes out in November. All right, okay, yeah, okay, we got some time for that. Anyways, right. um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I, there's no the post credit scenes were also interesting in that they did not hint at any larger. Ooh, leading us into something else, right? Like. Especially from Guardians Two, which had five post-credit scenes. Yeah, um, these were pretty, you know, contained and, you know. Yeah, I, I think I really appreciated the yeah. the scope was was concise. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, all right. Well, listeners, um, what did you think of Guardians? volume three a month late maybe releasing episodes a month after the movie they come out is good because this gives time a chance for people to see what we're talking about it also gives us a chance to forget the movie yeah it gives us a chance to forget and then have to you know either make stuff up or really remember um but uh what did you think listeners let us know write in tell us tell us what you thought of um it tell us who or what your take on creep at the beginning of this movie oh yeah i would love to know yeah we want a poll we want a running poll did creep work for you at the beginning of guardians volume three yes or no right in yumchunks at gmail.com yes and speaking of yumchunks at gmail.com it's email time yay all right we got a we got a follow-up from kevin young Subject line, Car- Garlic Senior. Apparently that is a in-joke that I'm not in on. Well, it's not a, it's a, it's not really an in-joke. It's an if you've joke. watched Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah. well, I'm not, I haven't, so I'm out. <laughs> well, I guess that's And true. I never yes. will. Um, <laughs> Alright. Don't close doors. In response to your response to my email about Mario. Okay, we're reopening this. All right. Oh, before I continue, I have to say I have now seen the Mario movie four times. <laughs> I can explain. <laughs> it is streaming. It is streaming. I can explain. Um, I saw it, and then I took um, my nephew uh, to see it when we saw it with my sisters. And then I watched it today, and I watched it yesterday. Because um, for today and yesterday were finals days. They're two-hour periods. And I let my kids choose what fun activity we're going to do, because <laughs> I don't actually do a final. And they both voted movie, and then they both voted the Mario movie. So, 
I bought it on Amazon. I now own the Mario movie. So you immediately failed the entire class and you didn't graduate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, um, so I've seen it four times. I've, my point is I've had plenty of time, right, time to think on it and digest and dwell on it. Um, all right. So in response to your response to my email about Mario, you guys sound like you're arguing with me, but I literally agree with everything you said. I think we're all on the same page about all of this. I just wanted to have some more discussion. I, wait, hang on. I changed the size of the window. Oops. Okay. I, I'm as big a Mario fan as anyone. I want a better Mario movie too. I guess the only difference is that I don't have a podcast about it where I'm discussing it at length. Um, you, you could though. Um, <coughs> why we land on different sides of the binary good slash bad movie is at the core of what I'm saying about subjectivity in art criticism. The fact that we can agree on just about everything about it and still come away with different overall feelings is, in my opinion, awesome. The spectrum of human emotion is vast and unknowable. Man, I would love a D&D quality Mario movie. If I was a producer on the Mario movie, I would have sent back the screenplay in its current state for revisions or hired new writers entirely. But alas, I'm just a powerless Mario fan doomed to accept the safe and boring choices made by the people who did produce it. Sean was on the money that I can give myself over to it enough to enjoy what's there while also expressing disappointment at what isn't there. Also, Sean, this point about art versus storytelling you made toward the end is very interesting. I literally just misinterpreted what Chewie said. I was thinking he did mean something with a beginning, middle, and end. I never thought of things like paintings or sculptures as mediums for storytelling, but I love that perspective. And for what it's worth, and only as a means of sparking discussion, I loved Skinnamarink. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, <laughs> its lack of coherence is part of what makes it scary to me. The feeling I got from it has stuck with me in a way that a five-minute short would not have. Being trapped in this confusing and scary world for over an hour is part of why it's effective for me. But don't let that land as an attack or an attempt to discredit opinions that differ. We all bring our own baggage and expectations, and a movie like Skinnamarink is a great example of how art is so wildly subjective. A film like that can only be made with the full knowledge that likely more than half of your audience is going to hate it. That doesn't say anything about any of the audience, it just means it is a thing that will land for some and won't land for others. The fact that we culturally have this sort of binary, you just didn't get it sort of attitude about things we like or don't like is what's really the problem to me. That to me is really gatekeepy and anti-intellectual. On the subject of Skin Marink, for instance, Chewy, hey that's me. I have no doubts that you fully understood what it was going for artistically and intellectually, but it just didn't land for you. Kevin, that is correct. And that says nothing about you as a person or as a critic, at least not to me. It just means you're a person with your own ideas and expectations, and that film didn't satisfy them. Totally understandable. I do not think any less of anyone who doesn't like the things I like, and I hate that so many online dummies seem to have this mentality that there's an objective truth to a film's quality and people who disagree with them must be dumb or trolls or whatever. I still see a lot of this sort of thinking in relation to The Last Jedi, for example. Anyway, point is, these discussions are great and important to have because they reveal things about ourselves, our personalities, 
and our humanity that are so fun to explore. I only take issue when people take disagreements about artistic quality as personal attacks or reflections of their own value as a human being, which, of course, you guys don't do, but it is fairly common in some online discourse. That Reddit thing that you mentioned in your discussion was just the worst. That kind of, there's no, there's one right opinion and it's mine, any other opinion only exists out of ignorance sort of idea is such an anti-human, cynical perspective to have, and it sucks that it seems to be held by so many people. I'm glad you guys, curmudgeonly as you are, are not like that. Anyway, obviously I'm an avid listener, loving the pod, and man, I just love the D&D movie. So fun. Kev Young. Well, Kev... I think that was a very reasonable, if maybe too reasonable, response to our previous. <laughs> You're giving us too much credit, credit, Kev. <laughs> yeah, dang um, it! I want, I want to be angry at this. <laughs> I want you to tell me that I'm wrong. That's what we're always saying. That's what we're always saying. Tell us that we're wrong. No, but yes, you're right, and that is something, at least from my perspective, that I find one of the many things I find about teaching high school is having these conversations with my students like at lunchtime about movies that they've seen and kind of trying to figure out how emotionally they're reacting, like if they're taking it personally or not, you know, and, um, you know, for example, we just watched the Mario movie in two of my classes and I had kids who had had a conversation with it about it and said, yeah, I I didn't really, I, I wasn't really into it. I had a lot of problems with it. And, um, and then we watched it, and one of the kids I had that conversation with who hadn't seen it, she was like, Mr. Chewie, that movie was awesome. How could you hate it? And I was like, I, I didn't hate it, is the thing. I didn't, I didn't hate it. There was a lot of things I disliked about it, and there's a lot of things I like about it, you know? And I can enjoy it, and, and, and I will tell you to you guys and to whoever's listening, I did enjoy it significantly more watching it with, you know, a full group of excited high schoolers, and also... <laughs> with my nephew in a theater full of kids Mm -hmm. right so definitely our perspectives our context our situations obviously there's a lot going on there i mean i I have a whole lesson about in my class about how you know what type of theater you in you're in or the placement of the audience versus the performers how that affects your experience and so yeah there's all kinds of stuff that you bring to that just like um like skin and rink what I brought to that movie is I wanted to see a good movie, and I didn't. <laughs> There's those fighting words. There it is. <laughs> no, Starting but that uh, fight. yeah. Um, anyway, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. And everything with Kev said, I think sometimes it's we just assume that people think what, or we assume that people are reasonable and well intentioned, and people are aware of everything that Kev is saying because. It's reasonable and well-intentioned. But then you interact with people and go, what? I don't understand. Why are you so angry or mad or hate this? Or, you know, like when you read what Kev says, it's like, yeah, that seems like that should be the default, right? That's how everyone feels, right? But no, it obviously is not how everyone feels. Um, And I think part of it is to, you know, with for whatever reason, over the last couple decades or years, we as individuals become so... um, uh, we we identify ourselves by a lot of the pop culture that we interact with and partake of. 
So the movies that you like and the you know, superheroes or comics, the music, everything, more so than I feel ever. I don't know. I guess I haven't been alive forever, so maybe not, but <laughs> in my lifetime. It is very personal. Think, right. Well, and I was thinking about this the other day. Like, imagine if you're going, you went back in time to whatever, let's say the 60s. Let's, and you, someone saw a good movie and you're like, oh, did that movie make you happy? And you go, oh, yeah, it was a good movie. But in general, if you ask someone, are you happy? with their life in 1960 or wherever, they would probably answer yes or no. And they would base that answer off of a lot of like, you know, their living situation, their hunger, how comfortable their relationships, all that stuff. Right. Obviously. But they would not answer that question based off of how good or bad the James Bond films are, or how good or bad, you know, I love Lucy was that night or whatever. But I feel if you ask that question nowadays, if you ask someone now, are you happy? A lot of how they would answer would be based on the media they consume, whether they're a DC fan or a Marvel fan. Or if you asked a DC fan, are you happy right now? Like just with life? I feel like that answer would change depending on if it was post Snyder Cut release, pre Snyder Cut release, like, right? Like there, and I, I'm not saying this frivolously. I literally think that people mental state is so much more tied into these things so because of that people are naturally just gonna go yes it's bad or because it's themselves i don't know maybe i'm saying stuff is very obvious maybe this is Uh, you know i think that that's maybe potentially an insane take you think (laughs) it's not like it's no no i think i mean i think if i'm to 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 humor this i think part of it is that i think in the times that we live in, I think that we just culturally rely more on our escapes and our fiction. Yeah. I think our fiction matters a lot more to us right now. And and I also think that that goes back to something that, um, Kevin, you were saying in this email about, you know, what we bring to our, our movie watching mm-hmm. experience. And part of that is like, yeah, like, yeah, we take, and I'm, I'm doing massive air quotes here. Because I'm not trying to sound pretentious, but we take our films seriously, mm, right? Yeah. And some people, you know, they go into the same movie that you are, and you don't know what they were just dealing with. You don't know what horrors exist in their life, and they just want to go and have a fun time. I'm not going to begrudge them for that. Yeah. So, and and like you said, like I'm not going to judge them for that. That's fine. I enjoy film by taking it apart. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and and I enjoy taking the clock apart and dumping all the pieces out onto the table, and 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 analyzing every little bit in that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. But I think, I think you the best thing that you've said, and I think you said it a few different times. But this idea of binary good slash bad movie, mm-hmm. I I don't think this is just a problem with like film criticism or with media criticism in general. I think it's a problem with culture and society Hmm. i think just massive polarization this inability to 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 exist in the middle and be like did you like the marvel mario movie uh not really but kind of yeah some of it parts of it aspects of it like i I think yeah i think that there's more and more of the yeah you gotta love it or you gotta hate it and if you say anything critical at all that just must mean that you hate it because you didn't love it Right. I think that that is that concept, that and tribalism, that is just ruining the world. 
I think it also gets potentially scary is when discourse informs behavior, mm-hmm. by which I mean, if we continue as a society to completely to continue to interact with media in this way in a binary not just media but anything right we now will potentially start training our brains to think in binary is in like if i have a criticism of something i now hate that thing we are not allowing ourselves to even exist in between binaries does that make any sense yeah oh absolutely yeah because then there's Um, cultural pressure there's social pressure mm. things become norms yeah it's Kevin, it's a lot. <laughs> All right. We and the- need to be binary. How if it's not binary, how else are we gonna inform it or you know feed it into the algorithm so the AI could write all of our and dictate all yeah. of our, you know, future right. actions? I mean, but yeah, it's I really appreciate all the words that you have to say. And and I think and and I think I think if there's one thing to take away, just one thing, it's that uh Skin Marink is a bad movie. <laughs> I need to see this thing. I, I need to definitively sit down and watch this. I don't know where it's streaming, but... No, you I don't. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. No, I, I, in all seriousness, no, I think you... I mean, you put a lot of heart and a lot of time into this email. And uh, I think I think you get it, sir. I think you get it. I think you get it. Yeah. He's one of the quote-unquote good ones. Not quote-unquote, but... Well, there are only good ones and bad ones. That's what I mean. He's one of the good ones. Right. Yeah. Just one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, you know, listeners, you could have a, you could have a, 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 a in-depth philosophical conversation with us by proxy if you wanted to. So, (laughs) you know, yumchunks to gmail.com. Tell us what you thought of Skinamarink. (laughs) <laughs> or the Mario movie. If you've even seen it. Yeah. Or the Mario movie. All of it. Renfield, <laughs> yeah. D. What uh and tell us what uh you thought of the future things we're gonna talk about, which are what are we gonna talk about in the future? Well, um we are definitely gonna talk about uh is it across the spider verse? What what yes, yes that's yes. the call across what the it Spider-verse. is? Spider Verse two. We're definitely going to talk about it. I guess I need Spider to... Spider-Verse get... 2, part one of two. Yeah, I, I, I guess I should <laughs> see it. And we oh, yeah. might have something else cooking up. Something yeah. uh, under the sea, perhaps. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. No place is better down where it's wetter. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> blame Alan Menken. Um, I don't blame that man for anything. He is a treasure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's we're we're back. We're not on vacation right now, so we got episodes coming out for the summer um, for you listeners. And the summer's not letting up because we got um, I don't well we got the Flash coming out, which I'm, we'll do an episode on that. We got Indiana Jones coming out. That's a busy 2023. Yeah, there's no way Indiana Jones is going to be good, so that ought to be a fun episode. <laughs> Well, maybe it's not about good and bad. Maybe there's some things that are, you know, cool about it. No, it's just going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> well, it, let's not say that it's not about good and bad, because maybe sometimes it is. See? Non-binary. Well, see, even our understanding of binary is, you know, it doesn't, shouldn't be binary. Exactly. Exactly. 
Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we have said nothing. <laughs> nothing is anything. Nothing no- means anything anymore. And everything is everything. Yes. And I'm tired and I haven't had dinner yet. So oh my uh let's uh let's um let's ride this off into the sunset like how Guardians 3 didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Play that Florence and the Machine song. Uh which one? Wait. As we're dancing. We're all dancing, dog, right? The dog dance? Dancing 24 versions of himself right now to that Florence the Machine song. Oh, that should be a video. All right, so right in that game, it's is it actual video of you or are you like you're a robot avatar? Per, you're, it's not like you. Yeah, like yeah the, okay. it'll it, like you create little robot avatars that okay, are okay. clones of your motion. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I'm sure. All right. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> this has been after the, the credits. Podcast. A Young Chunks podcast.